Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halischuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to NFL Report. I'm Aaron Halischuk, a journalist with Black Press Media. We are now looking at the last seven weeks of the 2022 NFL season, and I'm joined today with Vancouver Island Daily and Parksville Qualicum Beach News editor Philip Wolf to discuss all things NFL. Welcome back to the podcast, Philip. Always good to be here. So now that we are basically looking at the final stretch of the season, I can't believe I'm saying that, leading up to the playoffs, the NFL season really hasn't gone the way that a lot of people maybe thought it would at the beginning of the season. What are you thinking are some of the biggest storylines to come out so far? There's so many, it's hard to know where to start. I would say that the biggest is all-encompassing and it's parody. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many teams that are still in the hunt which is exactly what any league would want. But for me, right now, it's parity. There's a couple of games between each team in each division. The entire NFC East might qualify for the playoffs. Same with the AFC East. Right now, for me, it's just parity. I really like the fact that the teams that everybody thought would do well really haven't panned out as well. And from a fan's perspective, you're right, that parity is just perfect because there is just so much on the line for so many teams. I love the fact that the Super Bowl chants from last year are absolutely terrible this year, that the underdogs, that's kind of the storyline that's sticking out for me. They're really coming through this year. Teams and players that nobody really saw coming. So from a fan's perspective, I'm really enjoying that. Looking at some specifics here, are there any particular teams that you're really closely tracking that maybe you did coming into the start of the season? There's two teams that I always track that have surprised me, and that's the Seattle Seahawks and the Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. uh, both being slightly better than I thought. The Seahawks being a lot better than I thought, yeah. and the Dolphins maybe being a game or two better than I thought. Also, the Philadelphia Eagles have surprised me. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that they're decent, but that they're as good as they are. And in terms of being terrible, the Las Vegas Raiders are yeah. a thousand times worse than I thought. and. You wonder how long it might be before Josh McDaniels ends up back in New England. Yeah, that's definitely one. I really am also following the Jets. Again, there's that like underdog story, the drama of sport, how well they're doing. And the fact that Robert Sala in his first year of coaching has really given life to this team that is the joke sometimes of the NFL. So that's nice. And also just on a completely personal note, I do love to see Aaron Rodgers stumble as he is, but that's just me. So looking at another really terrible team, which I mentioned the Rams, some of the latest news to come out within the past week is the fact that Cooper cup, their star receivers undergoing some ankle surgery and will be placed on injured reserve. It sounds like, do you think that will make any difference for the stumbling Rams? I don't think so. I think they're terrible and the season's almost a write-off. For me, what becomes the most interesting part now is how long does Sean McVay, the head coach, how long does he stick around? He's already publicly said that once the core goes their own way, that he'll be done and into the 
TV booth for many millions of dollars. So in terms of this, they're probably best now just to go for as high a draft pick as they can. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of coaches that may not be coaching anymore, there's a few who may be on the chopping block fairly quickly. Nathaniel Hackett, the coach of the Broncos, he is struggling for his NFL career. Do you think he will be coach until the end of the year or will his job be on the line before the season is over? That probably depends on the next three or four games. If I was a betting man, and I sometimes am, I would say that he's probably 75, 25 to last through the end of the year. It's pretty hard to gas someone in their first year, uh, but they've struggled mightily. After the season, who knows? It's really hard to say they're just a terribly disappointing team. Russell Wilson, our favorite whipping boy, was supposed Mm -hmm. to be the missing piece. And he has absolutely not been the missing piece. And I think Hackett looks like he's a little in over his head. Another coach that I know has come up as a possible maybe offensive coordinator, because I don't know if head coach might be the right position for him, is Cliff Kingsbury. What are your thoughts on him? I think he's hamstrung by having Kyler Murray a little bit. I don't think Kyler Murray's nearly as good as he's been made out to be. That hampers Kingsbury a little bit, but... Again, that may just be a case where the guy with the $50 million contract wins out and he may be gone at the end of the year as well. I think a lot of these young offensive wonder boys come in and being a head coach is a lot different than being a position coach. And we find that a lot around the league. You look at the various these position coaches come in and being a leader and being a position coach is two completely different things. I think you're right. It seems an obvious thing in the NFL that it doesn't mean because you're a good OC or defensive coordinator that you'll automatically make a head coach, but it seems like the NFL likes to turn a blind eye to that, even though history might dictate otherwise. Speaking of a coach that doesn't have much experience coaching, Jeff Saturday, the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He's never coached a game more than a high school level, but he ended up winning his first game as a head coach against the Raiders. I'll be at the Raiders, but do you think he actually knows what he's doing or was that just a fluke? I think it's a combination of things. I think he's a natural leader. And this goes back to the discussion we were just having about being a head coach as opposed to a position coach. He's a natural leader. People will follow him. But in terms of the experience from game management, that will be where I think that he has some trouble. They've got a really tough schedule coming up. His job is really to motivate and delegate and establish a team culture. But I think they've got a really tough schedule, as mentioned, coming up. And I think we'll see in the next four or five games. The Colts really had nothing to lose. I don't think the owner, Jim Irsay, wanted to bring in another high-profile guy. This is just an eight-game experiment, and we'll see how it goes. If you flip it, it's football. You saw Bill Cowher getting all bent out of shape, a longtime head coach saying it was a travesty for the coaching profession and this and that. But if you look in the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens hired Martin St. Louis, who had no coaching experience whatsoever. And again, he's come in and done really well. So I think it's more about the man than it is having a guy with no experience. So it'll be interesting to see. It's a fascinating case study. Yeah. And I remember him saying in the press conferences before the game that he kept referring to himself as, I know how to coach men and I know how to motivate 
men. And I think you're right. It goes back to what you're saying that delegating is a huge part of what he has to do. But if you have some of those core pieces and you do know how to motivate a team, I think at least that's half of your job right there. So if he's got that, then I think he's crossed at least half of the line. So it'll be curious to keep an eye on that situation to see how that plays out for the rest of the year touched on this a little bit at the first question, but looking at some teams that are surprising you where we are so far in the season, anyone particular come to mind? The Rams have to be the biggest letdown. I yeah. think you come from the Super Bowl and then you're just absolutely terrible. That's a giant letdown and that may just completely implode. I think you may see some wholesale changes there. Again, we mentioned the Broncos. The Packers are on the fringes of being a disappointment. But your pal Aaron Rodgers there, I wouldn't write him off yet. And the Raiders are just a lost cause. The owner, Mark Davis, has come out and said he backs Josh McDaniels. But I don't think Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. I think he's a decent offensive coordinator, but I don't think he's a good head coach. So they may continue to flounder. What about the Bills? I know that one's kind of a dark horse, obviously, with Josh Allen the way he is. But I know he is slightly injured and they have lost a couple of their games, really close games, but they have lost them. And they're not going to say he's more injured than he actually is. But if something happens to him, where do you think the Bills might end up? I think if they lose their franchise quarterback, they're in some trouble. And I definitely think he's more injured than he's mm-hmm. letting on, which doesn't really trouble me as a Dolphins <laughs> fan. But you never, ever wish injuries on anyone. I'm not really worried about the Bills. If his arm, if they can bring it back around, they're still going to be right there at the end, I think. So speaking of your team and looking at some MVP possibilities, Tua has definitely got to be up there in some MVP talk. Who else do you see on that list? Tua, the Dolphins are 7-0 and in games that he's finished. I think it'll be tough to overtake Patrick Mahomes just with the numbers that he pops up. I'm very partial to Tua. He reminds me a little of a left-handed Drew Brees. Everyone complains constantly about his lack of arm strength and the things that he can't do. And I think that's very widespread with fandom and media alike is we always focus on what they can't do instead of focusing on what they can do. When Brian Flores was the coach, it was focusing on what he can't do. But Mike McDaniel comes in and he says, these are his strengths. It certainly doesn't hurt to have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, but he's geared it to his strengths. And what he does best is he's a very accurate passer. He doesn't have a cannon for an arm. I would say that he's Mahomes are neck and neck in terms of the MVP race. Josh Allen will still be in the mix. I think if he's not hurt, how about you? Yeah, I think if the NFL tells me anything in past history dictates, they love a feel good story. So if Tua keeps doing what he's doing with the concussion that happened earlier this year, I think they would love to rewrite history or maybe gloss over that part of it by giving him the MVP. Not saying that he's not deserving, but I think that would just add to it and knowing the NFL. So I think definitely it would be between him and Mahomes. Of course, I know there's those rumors. We've talked about it before about Geno Smith. If he keeps having the season that he's having, speaking of feel good stories of the year, that would definitely be it. But I don't think, I think he could possibly be in contention but as for actually getting it I don't think he would be but speaking of Geno Smith in the Seahawks loss last week in Germany to Tampa 
there is some talk about him being the starter next year and he's just on a one-year minimum salary contract right now so they're looking at contract extensions with him the Seahawks Uh, has your opinion changed on him at all in terms of whether they should sign him for a fairly large contract and then draft a quarterback next year should they just draft a quarterback next year what are your thoughts in that situation I think he's definitely earned a contract extension, but I would still be wary of giving someone that age with no long track record of sustained performance a lengthy term. Maybe you give him a two-year contract at a decent salary, and I would still draft a quarterback, maybe not in the first round, but you need that pipeline to keep flowing. There's talk of them re-signing Drew Locke. I don't know why they would do that. There's another guy that we'll probably talk about shortly that I think might be an interesting fit in Seattle there. But we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. If Gino's leading the league in completion percentage, he's playing well. The team rallies around him. I definitely think he deserves an extension. I just wouldn't give him a mega long one, that's all. I think it would work out well in Pete Carroll's. It's always about the competition. So to have him and then a young quarterback following and shadowing him next year, I think would be a really good fit in Seattle. And I don't know where Drew Locke would fit into that piece, whether he becomes the third string. I don't think he would be happy as a third stringer in Seattle. I don't know if there's any value to trading him next year. I'm not sure where he would fit in with the team, but uh, be interesting to keep an eye on that situation. Looking at the power rankings overall, they were released yesterday and they have the Seahawks at 14, Dolphins at fourth. Kansas City at two and Philadelphia at the first place position. What do you think of those? Do you think they're fairly accurate or would you change that up at all? I don't put a ton of stock into anything like that on a week to week basis. It's just fun. It's fun Mm -hmm. for fans. My team is number one in week eight or nine or 10. It, It doesn't really mean anything. Generally, it goes by the fluctuating performance. I have no issue with that. I would prefer the Dolphins to be at number one. And Philly did suffer their first loss, which is good for the 72 Dolphins. Yes. But again, I think Kansas City is the best team in the NFL. And regardless of what happens, unless Mahomes is hurt, I would keep them up at number one for now. So switching for a moment here, because it is that time of year, and I know this is an NFL podcast, but this does have to do with the NFL, that unfortunately the Lions didn't make it into the Grey Cup this year, but their quarterback, Nathan Rourke, is rumored to have begun some workouts with some NFL teams as predicted. What are his chances of him making it into the NFL? And do you think if he did, would he see any action whatsoever or practice roster is where he might be? There's the guy that we were talking about referencing Mm -hmm. earlier. He's got a shot at making the NFL. I think he completed almost 79% of his passes this year. He wasn't very good in the Western final, but he was coming off an injury. I think if you're completing 79% of your passes in the backyard, you have to have something. We've talked about it on previous podcasts. Situation is so huge for quarterbacks. Yes. It just is. Russell Wilson all of a sudden stinks because he's in a different situation. Geno Smith rises up. You know, it goes all the way back to my guy, Dan Marino. If Mm -hmm. he goes in the right situation, if he's drafted by Pittsburgh, maybe he has three or four rings. Situation and coaching are so huge. So for me, it would really depend on where Rourke goes. I would like to see him stay another year or two even in BC, get a lot of reps as a starter before heading down there. But he's got that small window right now where he can go and try out. So I think he would be an interesting fit with the Seahawks just down the road, a number two behind Geno Smith. I think he's looking for a solid number two job. So that might be 
asking a little much, but I'm fascinated to see where he goes. He might end up in Pittsburgh, maybe. Giants will need some quarterbacks. Where do you think he might end up? I've got the Giants down on my list as a possibility. I've got maybe the Panthers. I don't know the odds of this, actually, but I would kind of like to see him maybe with the 49ers. Be curious about their quarterback situation. I think maybe keeping him on the West Coast would be really nice, just as a selfish fan perspective, but I'd like to see that. But I think maybe another full season for him as a starter would probably be a good idea. But when the opportunity strikes, the GM of the Lions I was reading this morning said, you've got to take your chances. You've got to shoot your shot, right? If he gets in, then he gets in. But hopefully he will be back with the Lions. I know as well, a lot of fans will be cheering him on. And I know those from Victoria as well. Uh, Just again, keeping with the CFL, Tom Brady made a comment a little bit earlier this week that he said that he could hope that he can play in the CFL at some point because things have gone really well for him outside of the country. How serious do you think he was about that? And do you think there'd ever be a possibility of seeing Tom Brady take a snap in the CFL? No, I think he was completely kidding. And it was funny. But if he did ever, at age 65 or however long, (laughs) if he ever did play in the CFL, I think it would be for BC. Yeah. Because people that old like the nice weather. That they do. And he could be inside most of the time. So that would cater to his needs, I think, along those lines. But no, completely kidding. My other thought would be BC or Toronto, for sure. Got to keep him in an indoor stadium because you never know when a bone might break walking onto the field at his age. And last but not least, we will end on Grey Cup predictions because it is that time of year coming up on Sunday. Winnipeg versus Toronto. Who do you see taking the cup this year? Gee, I wonder who you want to win. I don't think there's any stopping the Bombers. I think it's a terrific storyline, them playing against Andrew Harris. I would have to go Bombers 30, Argos 20. Mm-hmm. What about you? Even with a possible injured quarterback at the helm? You still- yeah. I still see them winning. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a little bit of a closer game than maybe people think. I say Winnipeg 30 to Toronto 27. I think Andrew Harris will give the defense a little bit, pardon the pun, run for their money. But I do see Winnipeg coming up on top for the third Grey Cup in a row. So hopefully I will be celebrating late into the evening on Sunday. Are you watching that game by yourself or do you watch it with a group of people? I do have a Grey Cup party set to go on. I think I'll be the only one wearing a bomber shirt. I'm surrounded by Lions fans, but I will proudly represent Big Blue. So hopefully it'll be a celebratory evening when it's all said and done. Thanks so much, Philip. A chat shortly. We sure will. NFL Report with Philip Wolf and Aaron Halluschuk is a Black Press Media podcast. Get fast access to breaking news by signing up now to Black Press Media's free newsletters and stay informed with all the latest news delivered directly to your inbox. You'll have access on any device so you never have to miss out again on the information you need to know. 